Hi, I'm Marika and welcome to Money Chill Out. On this podcast, I want to dive into the world of the often unspoken topic of money. Effective personal finance management can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. After a 10-year career on trading floors in London, I want to help demystify the intimidating world of finance and have an open, honest and frank conversation. By opening the discussion, I wish you identify yourself, learn, be inspired and get empowered. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindset, investment habits and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. Today, I have the pleasure to welcome Benjamin, the co-founder of Envosols, a French-made solid beauty products company that wants to free bathrooms from plastic and chemical products. A year since the launch, they surf on the wave of people's willingness to reduce waste and to be more planet-friendly. And they've reached amazing milestones. Tens of thousands of followers on Instagram, lots of happy and loyal clients, a dozen or so of partnerships, and they won the grand prize of Unibail Rodamco Westfield with a 1 million grants for a leave. So let's learn more about this success story or how we can make money sticking to our values. Hi, Benjamin. So nice to speak to you. It's been a while. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, great. Super excited about our discussion and to know more about your brand. It seems together like so many of the trendy subjects now. Your products are vegan. There's no animal testing. It's 100% natural, your formula, and there's no plastic. So yeah, I'm really pleased to know that it's you're able to make a living and contribute to the economy with this kind of thing. So let's get inspired. So can you tell us a bit more about your decision to partner with Sarah, who had the idea of Envoter? So how did you meet? What was your situation at the time? And what decided you to join the adventure? Yeah, sure. So uh, I was actually working in London. So um, as a typical Frenchman there, I was was working in finance. I was working with helping small brands uh, raise funds. And then I joined the other side. Basically, I was investing in small brands. So I, I've kind of loved it. When you speak to a lot of founders, sometimes you, there's a voice inside your head that, that tells you maybe it could be, you know, it could be me one day. So what happened is then I decided to, my wife, we decided to go back to Paris, um, just to live there. And I quit my job in London. So I decided to launch my own company. I started a year, another company didn't work out. And then after I met Sarah, I knew from a friend of a friend. We started, you know, like exploring uh, business ideas. And so it's funny because when we started Unbottled, we were like, we're never go back to like, you know, B2C or because it's tough. You know, the market is very competitive. There's a lot of brands out there. So we should do something different like B2B. It's easier to scale, blah, blah, blah. And so we explored a lot of business. We did like, you know, crazy stuff. We met a lot of people. And at some point she came back to me and said, look, I think we should launch a solid cosmetic brand. If we're good at it, we should, you know, if we did it before, we should use our skills, you know, to create a brand that, that basically we know all the in and outs of the market. So we took a summer to think it out because to be honest, I didn't actually know what solid cosmetics were. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I kind of uh, went to Lush and like tried different products. And in September, I think it was like 2019, we started working on Bottle and we said, go for it. And yeah, it's, it's pretty scary because I didn't know Sarah very well. So, you know, you do 50-50 on a company and, you know, all could go wrong because you could maybe, you know, a lot of uh, issues of the startups is like where you don't find the right partner to, to launch the business. 
Yeah. And after the idea, so what came next? How does it work to create a brand? And what are the first few things to that you did? So the first thing, actually, what we did before creating the brand, I think is very key as well, is we sat down with Sarah and we asked ourselves 100 questions. So we had a list of 100 questions each, and we asked the questions. It was like a ping pong. And some questions, we were in disagreement. We were fighting about a lot of stuff, like some stuff. Uh, it's just to make sure that we know it could work uh, between uh, each other. So we went through that. Then we decided, okay, 100%, we're going to do this together. And so what we first did together on, on Bottled is we uh, actually, we drafted a, a brand book. So, you know, like the values of the brand, where it should um, you know, encompass where, I mean, you know, you sell a product, but you also sell the brand, the dream, you sell, you know, desire. So what kind of like, which direction you wanted to go? So the brand book was like, I think it's a key element to, you know, to launch a brand and uh, it just defines the whole strategy of the company. Because the company is the brand, basically. And it's super interesting because often you tend to kind of skip that part to go further. And so, yeah, it's great to take the time. I think it's key because there's so many brands out there. You got to be different and you got to know where you're going. Or else you're just one of brand and one of many. Yeah, yeah. So your products are made in France. They're vegan. The packaging is small. It's recyclable. There's no plastic. And you have a great mark on Yuka, which is the mobile app that gives information on the health impact of the products you consume. So you seem to have everything everybody is looking for at the moment. So who are your clients? So first thing, yes, we have clients. So I think that's good news for, <laughs> for DTC companies. When you launch a brand, you don't really know who's going to... So you make like assumptions, but actually like 95% of your assumptions are wrong. So what our clients are now... So 93% of our clients don't live in Paris. So we sell basically 95% in France. So all these 93% aren't in Paris, So which is good. So that means we're not a Parisian brand. We don't want to be a Parisian brand. We're, we speak to like basically everyone in France. And also in terms of like age, I guess the sweet spot will be 25 to 45. But then you have a lot of people buying a product. It's, it's hard to tell, but I think it's, in, I mean, environmental issues, like top of mind of everyone. So I guess we get like the younger customers and we get like a lot of families buying our customers. And the last thing is it's 80, roughly like 78% of our clients are a woman. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Maybe less, but actually buying because a lot of, you know, like it's family, like sometimes it'll be like the mom that would buy uh, the whole like, the products, the whole family. So it's not only women using our products, but it's just bought by them mostly. And how do you compare pricing wise to bottled products? That's a great question. Obviously, we're more expensive. Let's say bottled shampoo, 250 mil, a supermarket is like what, four euros. But our product, our shampoo is 12.90. So it's more expensive. But it's 100% made in France. You know, all the ingredients are very high quality ingredients. We saw, you know, she, she's the one, she's the master craft behind the formula. So it's like super efficient, um, you know, ingredients. And actually our solid shampoo, like lasts like it's um, equivalent uh, for two or three bottled shampoo. Because bottled shampoo, basically there's like 80% water or 90% water in your product. Solid shampoo is 100% basically active shampoo. And also... When you use solid shampoo, there's no sulfates in the shampoo. So basically, you could shampoo less than if you use bottled products. Mm -hmm. Okay, so these two combined, basically, even though the price may seem pretty expensive to start with, actually, with the fact that it's a longer longevity and that you should use less products than like the bottled one, actually, it makes it like much more kind of similar. That's good. Exactly. And pricing is a very, very, it's a key issue because people want, you know, products that are made in France, people want 
natural products. I mean, when I say people, like everyone, you know, like you try to juggle it with all these like needs and wants of the market. But at some point, everything has a price, right? If you buy like a pair of jeans at uh, Primark, like uh, two pounds, well, that's an issue. How could a pair of jeans cost two pounds? We think it's a fair price. Obviously, the whole point is, you know, it could seem a bit expensive. But when you use it, actually, you realize that, you know, it's definitely worth the money. Mm-hmm. And it's probably as well more sustainable and this kind of thing. So it's hundred yeah. percent more sustainable. There's nothing left in nature after you use it. Just no bottle plastic, and it's made in France. It's just made locally. Yeah. So let's go to money matters now. So at the onset of Unbottled back in June 19, you were traveling around the country to source the ingredients, to find producers, and so on and so forth. And of course, it takes a few months to arrive at a satisfactory formula. And in June 2020, it's actually the big launch. So within this year of prep work, how did you manage to live money-wise? So did you have money on the side or did you get any funding? So, yeah, that's a great question. It just bounced back to your first question. The scary and exciting. The scary part is the money bit because you're like, okay, how am I going to live? I mean, I'm married. I'm 34. I got a kid now. It was almost a year. So, you know, like you don't want to put your life on hold. Basically, like your wife and my kid doesn't deserve that. You know, like I can't put their life on hold as well. So we start working September 19 on the brand. I was working off my economy. Then we launched the brand June 20. We invested both Sarah, I mean, decent money in the company just to launch the brand. As I said, we didn't, because right now, you, nowadays you could go on the PowerPoints and if you're smart, if you present well, you could raise money on PowerPoint before having anything. So that's something we didn't want to do because we didn't want to give 20% of our company. So we launched and then we you know in France, there's subsidies. So we got a couple of subsidies. Then we got the BNP Paribas, so the bank to help us. So we got 250 grand from uh, the bank. So it helped us, you know, kickstart the business. And then after, for we paid ourselves a thousand euros per month, and now we pay ourselves two thousand euros a month since three months. So it's not salary; it's basically because we put money in the company, so we're getting it back. So it's uh, it doesn't count. So it's not taxed as salary. So it's way cheaper for the company. But at some point, obviously, you need to reinvest your profit in the company, but also you need to live as well. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And and two thousand is like very reasonable. It's not, yeah, yeah, great. And what the hardest thing you need to manage from a finance perspective, owning your business and having your brand? I think we got a quite straightforward business, but still, I mean, it's just like every day I look at the cash balance or two bank accounts. And also you have a big working capital swings also. So Christmas season is a peak season. So in order to sell three times, five times more products, well, you need to invest in inventory, right? Because you can't sell something you don't have. So these kind of things. So we bought a lot of products for next Christmas. So that's a lot of investment. So you don't know if you're going to sell them at Christmas. So it's more like the treasury part. Oh yeah, definitely. At the end of the day, what matters is the cash you have in the bank. That <laughs> decides if you could pay your salary, if you could pay your suppliers. And can you give us a few numbers for your business? We had a, an article in Les Echos, so it's already out there. But at this year, we want to do 5 million of sales, year-end euros. So yeah, so we launched what, in June 2020. So we're pretty happy with what we achieved. And uh, there's still lots more to do. But what, what we believe is we found how you call in the tech company, like your market fit, where people, you know, they, they like our products. You know, they review them a lot. Like we got like 11,000, uh, almost 12,000 five-star review on our website which is a lot when you compare like other brands. So what it means is like people, there's always the wow effect because people think we sell soap. Actually, it's definitely not soap. And so, you know, they receive it 
And they're like, whoa, it smells super good. Well, it works for my hair, it looks great. And I'm doing, you know, I'm doing you know, this incredible gesture for the planet. So I think that's why people, you know, they're getting on board of, of our products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you have employees now? Or you just still the two of you? No, there's still the two. Of, we got a couple of freelancers, but like maybe two. One freelance is really good. It helps us with customer support. There's people like asking questions about a lot of stuff. So you need someone to help. And then we got someone helping us in Agence Media, you know, help us with the um, acquisition, Insta, like Insta ads, Facebook ads, all these Google ads, all these kind of stuff. So, but still impressive, like to manage this kind of business and growth still with the founders. That's, that's great. So let's talk about like now striving in the cosmetic industry when you're like a small business. So if you take a bit of perspective, what the one thing that really pushed your business in terms of like growth? So first of all, I think that there's a couple of uh, couple of things. The first one will be that I think we it works well between Sarah and I in terms of uh, you know um, how we work. We have very you know hard skills and soft different hard skills, different soft skills where we we don't look alike. She comes from the um, cosmetic industry, so she knows the industry inside out. She knows how to develop a formula. I can't develop a formula. I never did in my life. But what I could do is I could look for funding. I could manage the operations. I could manage logistics. I could manage all the e-commerce side. And she can, but she could do like all the marketing. She could do all the Instagram communication, all these kind of uh, all these kind of things that I'm not able to do. So that's the first thing. I think you have to find like the co-founder that fits with your company. And the second point I think is it's the product. You know what you're selling is the most important thing. It's not how you sell it. How you sell it, I think, is very important. But if you sell like a shitty product and uh, you do in extreme marketing around it, like intense marketing, and then some people buy it once, they'll, they'll never buy it again. What happens is. Uh, If you sell like a, a really good product, obviously, if you sell with good marketing, it's even better. But like, you know, how you make money and how you build a sustainable business is like people keeping, you know, buying your products over and over again. So I think that's the two key uh, factors. Really done to us. That's cool. And you have a um, social media accounts on Instagram and Facebook with tens of thousands of followers. So is it how you manage to convert your community into trying your products? Because it's good to have so many people, but how do you create the need or how do you make them buy? So basically what happens with Sarah is she audited every single Instagram account on earth, I think. And she looked at what was working, what was not working. So you do some A-B testing. So basically you try A and B. And if A works better than B, you go with A. And then with A, you split it in two, C and D. And then if uh, C works better than D, you go with C. So it's all about iteration and finding what works, what doesn't work. So we started out like this on Instagram. So all the acquisition is driven by so a lot of word of mouth and also driven by just paid acquisition. So we do a lot of marketing on social media. So like videos, the GIF, you know, pictures on the you know, Instagram, stuff like this. So we promote them. We put money behind them. They're referenced on like, you know, people's computer or phones. So that's our key yeah, acquisition drive. It would be word of mouth and paid acquisition. I mean, if you want to scale and go, if you want to really grow, you got to do some paid acquisitions. When I say paid acquisition, you know, it's profitable. We're definitely profitable and we you know we really manage it. And it's something that, you know, that's um, that could really drive your business, uh, you know, to the next level. And you also have partnerships in Paris. What's the split between physical and online shops? 94, 95% is online. Wow. And do you think that's going to be the case because, I don't know, you, you don't have enough shops or because people actually trust you online or? 
because it, we grew quickly online and it just happened. We never projected this kind of growth, but it just happened. I mean, we're really happy about it and very blessed. Uh, don't take me wrong, but it, also it just happened. Yeah. We were firm believers. We still are that, you know, now you, you have to be omnicanal, so you can't just rely on e-commerce. You have to go wholesale and you have to go uh, retail on your own boutiques or shops. So what's happening is in January, we're going to announce like something big in wholesale. Can't talk about it right now. Something big in the... And in November, we're opening a first pop-up store for four months in uh, Beaugrenelle in Paris. It's a super uh, mall, but very high-end. It's not high-end, but it's a cool mall. So we're going to test it. And the goal is to open our first store in uh, six to nine months. So we want to rebalance a bit our business because right now it's too reliable on, online. But it's just happened. And there's only two of us. So we couple, we like in hundreds of pharmacies around in Paris, in the Ile-de-France. But And we're like in concept stores. Yeah, we, we definitely want to go into a physical, basically. Um, yeah, we'll speak about it a bit later. But basically, you won the Unibail Rodamco Westfield Grand Prix. And for that, you actually won 1 million euros for a lease. So can you tell us a bit more about it? Like, how did you know about the prize? Why did they choose you? And what's your thinking on how to best use it? So the your plan on opening your first shop in six to nine months, is it linked with the, this pre? So... First of all, I just want to say that it's 1 million. It's 1 million like in the, it's not 1 million in cash. So basically they pay for your rent and they pay for your uh, key money if you open like a store in a nice location. So it's, yeah, with Unibuy, I think it's pretty, I've heard about it because I've always been interested in, uh, you know, D2C businesses. So I heard about it and uh, decided to apply and see what's going to happen. So we just, uh, yeah, applied, we got called and then we had like a, Uh, like an hour presentation in front of the board and in front of you know other big startup investors and we just presented the company the brand we obviously we gave them a lot of products people just love having freebies and i guess we won and uh yeah i'm pretty happy about it and um so yeah we're talking with them to open a store with them and yeah we're very so it, it could be a store yet in a buy center it's not definite yet but we're talking And how did you manage to get so much articles in the press? Uh, because you have numerous publication with the lack of El, Gracia, Figaro, Les Echo, and so on. So how do you get the contact? The first thing is we, when we launched, we just scrapped, uh, I don't know where we got them from, but we found a couple of uh, no, LinkedIn. And so we sent a lot of products, fake products. Some people, some journalists will, you know, they, they never replied. Some replied, so I love the product. I think right now is a lot of like beauty journalists. So like journalists, they're looking, they want to talk about what, you know, people are interested in, obviously. And so all about this new cool brands and also all the all about the uh, environmental issues. So I think we're kind of in a sweet spot where basically we fit in a lot of articles in beauty. So I think that's the reason. I guess they, they like the product and uh, and that's pretty much it. We only paid for one article was in Grazia. I think we paid like 400 pounds. That's not something we're going to ever do again. Oh, that was stupid. We're never going to do it again. But all the other articles, it was just it just happened. Okay, so it's basically you being proactive with them and then having something in return. It's not like they. No, it's so the first one we had, maybe Vogue in the first, I think we send them the products, but a lot of it's, uh, we get incomings. Could we get some products? Uh, if we like it, we're going to talk about them. Yeah, that's brilliant. Cool. And you're also doing like lots of collaboration with other brands, same kind of startup brand. Like I've seen this Jolly Mama, which is a nutrition brand, Payots, who does trainers, and, and there's so much more. So how do you choose these brands? And is it to increase your brand awareness? 
So that's again, that's Sarah who will manage this. So it's Sarah who chooses them, and she doesn't she doesn't ask me. So I don't I have no idea how she chooses them. I guess it's a good fit with the brand. It's to just create engagement, uh, you know, like uh, around the two brands communities on Instagram. Basically, if you look on Instagram, like how to grow on Instagram, and a lot of brands they will do a contest with another brand. So if you like, comment and tag two of your friends. We'll give you X amount of products, and this brand will give you X amount of products. So what happens is you look at these posts; they always get the most engagement, they always get the most like, the most commented. And what happens is your followers also grow at the same time. But also, if you do this too often, then you know people won't take you seriously. And uh, what's next for you? So you launching a line of accessories and particularly fond of your soap holder. So that thing that you put on your shower, which works through suction pad and by magic, the soap doesn't melt. So it's a super simple idea, but still like super wise. So what's the percentage of this segment in your overall profits? It's big because this works really well because it's very convenient. It's very, when you think about it, having a solid shampoo is not, as convenient as a bottle of shampoo. You know, you got to be, I mean, uh, realistic about that. But having something that sticks to your wall and you just take it, you put it in your hand, you put it back. I mean, it's amazing. So just people love it. And so, yeah, it's booming. I mean, we're selling a lot of those. It's hard to tell, but I guess in terms of sales, maybe it's like 10%, 15%. And what's next in terms of like, do you want to launch new products? Do you want to enter new markets? Because at the moment you said like you're in France and in still having financial look like how will you fund them so do you prefer loan it seems that the case than opening your capital what's your financial strategy there we want to stay in france for now i think going international right now is premature especially when you don't have a team but so you're going to stay in france we're going to expand the product range we want to go in more skincare and uh, in terms of funding so yeah we definitely we don't want to give away equity because it's, we want to stay 100% independent. So uh, it will be like more funding with uh, loans. And, uh, and uh, yeah, you could be very, um, I'd say, creative about your funding. At some point, you go, you have one commercial bank, and then you go see a second one, maybe a third one. Then you go to, in France, you got this huge bank called BPI. And then you could get funding from them as well. And you could also get loans based on your inventory because we sell physical products that actually have a you know nominal value. So it's kind of a funding... Uh, solutions cool and um i always like leave one question for the end which is a bit more like either funny or something so were you an environmental guru before and both old? so i'm not an environmental guru right now so i think that's very important to say just about how we think about unbottled i think yeah i'm trying to you know just uh, you know stupid stuff i just stop going to the supermarket at all i only go to, like to my local market i stop buying my tomatoes in January. I just completely stopped because it's completely stupid. Sorting out your trash. Just like it's simple. It's like I always buy like, you know, my laundry now buy from like startups, like, you know, no plastic startups, basically like what brands that like us, but like for like laundry products. But for instance, like I still travel. Sometimes I just travel using, you know, an airplane because I got family in Australia, for instance. So I mean, I can't go swimming. I can't go by boat. So I have to use the airplane. And that's something that we trying to convey on bottles. Like, you don't have to be perfect, but like if everyone, you know, have a, does a small gesture and uh, the world will still be the better place, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. And as you said, like everybody says, oh, but if it's only me who does it, then there's no impact. Actually, it's like 
all the small things that you do, which actually create a big one. So, And you cannot, you know, Dotto is not about like guilting people into buying some products. How you can convert the biggest amount of people to this kind of uh, you know, product is just you know, building product that people desire, people want to buy. People, they buy cosmetics because they buy, you know, they buy the brand. They buy the brand just a bit of dream. They also buy like some products. They buy some product that smells good, that has some nice foam that works. And they're not going to buy a product just to save the world. So some people might do it, but that's really, I think it's a small portion of the population. The biggest portion, they want something that they really desire, that feel good about buying. It looks good in their bathroom and they could recommend to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically an efficient product on each aspect. Yeah, so that's the goal. Brilliant. So thank you so much, Benjamin, for this discussion. I really enjoyed it. It's great to know more about your brand, uh, how it started, how it's grown, and you're now running it. There should definitely be more company like yours, and I'm very pleased it encountered the success it deserves. So keep us, of course, posted on the future of Unbottled, then all the best. Take care. Sure. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. Bye. Ciao. So that's the end of this episode. I hope you are as enthusiastic as I am. You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website at maricafino.com. And if you want to go further in mastering this beautiful adventure of owning your finances, please contact me. I offer workshops and coaching to guide you through. Finally, if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the word.